Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host. We're here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Once again, I'm with Mike Gallo. He's become a good friend, and uh, really, I can count on him to comment on many of the podcasts we do from here because he listens to them, and, and of course, when he's up here, I put him on some. He's volunteering right now at Silver Birch Ranch in the kitchen just to help us for the week. And I thought, well, let's talk about what God's doing in your life through this journey we call cancer. And uh, the cancer in his life, we're glad to report, God's decided to make it so it's not um, there anymore, according to the medical records. And we're thrilled for that. And yet the journey is still very real and will continue to be real. You know, Mike, I had a doctor tell us once that, you know, there's cancer cells in you all the time and your body has to fight them off. And the problem is, obviously, when there's too many of them and your body doesn't fight them off for some reason, then you get cancer. And that could be, I am not a doctor, I have no idea, but cancer has been so prevalent in so many people's Mm -hmm. lives these days. And the treatment for cancer can be life-altering in some respects. I mean, physical life-altering. And it could be spiritually, too, because it draws you to God, realizing your, your frailties or whatever. I know you've learned a lot through your journey, and you were sharing some of those things that you've learned, a list of things with uh, students that are here at Silver Birch Ranch, Nicolay Bible Institute. Why don't you share some of those things you've been learning? Yeah, the, uh, the cancer has become, or always was, an adversity in my life. Uh, and adversity, when we think of that, we think of something that is nothing. We don't want that. It's, right. It's, that's a negative. That's a negative. Get that out of my life. Uh, but adversity also means that if you go through it the right way, you're growing in one way or another. I used a couple of uh, couple of uh, examples of that from our world asking them if they knew how a diamond was formed. And one of the guys knew. He said, yeah, it's, uh, it's the pressure and the heat in the right. earth that, that causes it. I thought, that's correct. It takes a carbon deposit, and it's the heat and the pressure working against it that turns that carbon deposit into a beautiful stone. If that stone was a living thing, it wouldn't like the process it's going through because Absolutely. there's pressure, there's heat, there's resistance there's friction and it's it's painful when you're lifting weights is it fun probably not but you know you're doing it because you're going for the goal of getting stronger but the weights aren't helping you lift them they're pushing against you so there's effort involved there's a resistance to it but that resistance the end product of that is a stronger body it works spiritually too uh and those are the lessons I gave. I mentioned a number of ways that there could be adversity in lives, uh, hoping that or knowing that sure. God would speak to somebody. Uh, so I gave a not, a, not an all-inclusive list, but a list of different ways that there might be adversity in life. I started with abuse, either physical or mental. Uh, if you're going through that, your life's been shaken. And I went to a loss of parents. Maybe you've lost some parents, grandparents, which is more likely at that right. point. Uh, friends, relatives, for whatever reason, tragedy, striking, illness, or whatever. Uh, feeling or actually having gone through abandonment. Yep. 
you might feel abandoned or you may actually be no longer part of someone because your parents decided to up and leave or your mom or, or whatever and you feel like you're all alone. Uh, estrangement from a relationship that was once close and all of a sudden it's been ripped and now you're shattered. You no longer have that trusting, secure relationship you had. Uh, learning disabilities. We all have them. Yeah, we do. We, I, we can, you might not be able to put a name on it, but you might be walking around feeling like, I'm the only one. Everybody else has got their stuff together. Yeah, no. And I'm dealing with this. No. You know, and then I came into mine. I saved mine for last, the cancer. And I went through the story of how I learned about my cancer, what I was going to do about it, mentioning that I had to go through a treatment that I had to agree on with my doctors, who I didn't put my faith in, but who, as we talked about before, they know more than me about something. And when I saw that the numbers were up, I go, okay, let's, let, we'll do the aggressive one. Right. We'll, we'll include the chemo in here and we'll do everything. Uh, and growing through that, yes, is there pain involved in it? Absolutely. Side effects to this day. Uh, working in the kitchen has exasperated them a little bit. The neuropathy in the feet did sure. not feel very well. Uh, the legs haven't come back yet. So when I walk around looking, I'm 66 and I'm walking around looking like I'm 85. Yeah. I actually told uh, some of the staff in the kitchen, I go, why don't you, about 8 o'clock tonight, grab a couple of chairs, sit outside, grab a popcorn, and watch me try and walk up those stairs to the old cabin. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of fun, you know. But that's that's here and now. That's that stuff. That's part of it. You know, hope. Let, let me ask you, because you're here volunteering. You knew you could have been on your feet volunteering. Well, I knew I was going to be so on my feet. So why, why did you come? It's an opportunity to serve. Now, I did not know I was going to speak at the yeah. time. Uh, we mentioned this a long time ago. This camp has been a blessing to my family in many ways. Uh I believe in the mission. It's always been to know Christ and to make him known. If I come up, I have an opportunity to make him known in some way or another. I don't have to be a theological genius to do that. I have to just be able to say, and I did this with one of the girls in the ca uh, kitchen. Notice she was struggling. After a couple of days, I said, listen, if you have anything specific you want me to pray for, let me know. I go home. I got right. that prayer request going. I go, I'm not going to pressure you on this, but sure. I'm here. And it seemed to brighten her day. You, Stuff like that. You know, it's it's amazing. Again, I think God made us to serve. And I want every young person listening to hear that. He did not make us to be served. It's not about our comfort. It's not about us having things go our way so that we can be the ones that don't do anything and we boss other people around. God made us to be servants, to serve. Even Jesus, it, it, you know, at the Last Supper, he gave him that example. Here's what you do. Follow my example. Serve other people. And I tell you, you know, Mike, you have every reason, every reason not to come up and be a participant standing all day and working in the kitchen and doing that kind of thing. But you come up and serve. And I promise you there are young people looking at you. And they're thinking, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And, and they, what they're missing is the idea that service is so valuable. Your walk with God during your cancerous time has drawn you very close to God. And you're drawing, as you're, as you're close to God, the desire 
to represent him as a servant has become stronger. So whether you can walk or, or not, now I, I've had a hip replaced about eight weeks ago now. About four weeks afterwards, we needed to have guys do dishes. And of course, I went in there and started to help. And I did it until I couldn't walk anymore. You know, but the bottom line was I was thrilled that I could do it. And, and, and you look at it and go, well, you were thrilled that you could go in and help with dishes? Well, the bottom line really is God gives us these opportunities to serve. They could be taken away. You had a point where on chemo and other things, you couldn't do much. Right. We, is, we, did you think about how nice it would be to serve again someday? Or will you enjoy just having everybody serve you uh, chemo drinks or whatever it is that you were doing? No, I always uh, knew God willing, that I'm not going to be a couch potato. I'm not going to be sitting, filling my brain with just, hey, and I do watch TV. Don't get me wrong. But you, if you're not doing something, if you don't have a purpose, you go downhill in a hurry. Right. You had mentioned that in today's uh, in today's message, and, and I could feel that slope at times. If I go a day or two and it's like, eh, I'm too lazy to do anything, it's just a spiral. Right. You know, and, and you, we are meant to serve. We are meant uh, to have a purpose. And it's best for us as Christians to have that purpose be God in spirit guided. Absolutely. You know, and then it's it, it's not work anymore. Yeah. Now you, does your body still feel it? Yeah. But well, the, you know it's a purpose. The older guys that I know that actually love God and walk with God, they all want to serve. Every single one of them wants to do something where they're serving. They're not talking about necessarily getting paid. They're not talking about, I mean, when you're up here at camp, you see some older people that come here, mm -hmm. and all they're doing is going around serving. They're doing some of the most menial tasks. There's, there's a guy here who is a very high executive in a company, very, very high-end executive, and he's always cutting lawn and, and, and trimming bushes and, and putting out things to kill weeds or whatever it might be. And you look at that and you go, now this guy is a, in the world He's a well-accomplished executive. How come he's dressed like that out there on a lawnmower? You know, I mean, what in the world got into him? And you know what? His dad did that. When his dad was retired, his dad used to come up here and serve. And now he's retired, and he comes up here and serves all summer. You know, my father-in-law was a, a prominent doctor in the Chicago area. And he got to the point where he just said he had to retire because his mind wasn't keeping up with all the different medicines and he was looking too much stuff up, he said. And if you're a doctor, you don't want to make a mistake. And he was just looking too much up and trying to figure it out when he used to remember it all. So he retired. But then he bought a cottage up here, and every summer he would come up and serve all summer long. He'd be out there. He would do anything. He'd get up. Since he got up at 4 in the morning, he would go cook all the Wrangler's breakfasts, and he would cook those. Then he would come back and drive the ski boat in the afternoon, and and then, you know, in the evening, he'd go joke around with the kids and then go to bed early and start it all over again the next day. And, and the fun thing is, is to see the legacy of service. I mean, these guys that really understood business and they understood success in a worldly sense said, no, the success comes when you serve. And, uh, and I'm seeing that in you and I'm seeing that in other older people. Um, you know, even in our family, I can remember the discussions and the spontaneous discussions even from my wife who, as we prayed, was asking God to just allow us to keep serving. You know, the people that know God and they know how they're made, they realize it's not about being served. It's about serving. 
And I want to encourage all of our listeners, you look into the eyes of the people that are around you and you look for ways to make them successful. You pray as you look in their eye, you think, what can I do, God? Ask God, what can I do to help this person see who you are in my life and for them? And, and think about ways to serve and you will be a much happier person because you were never meant to be served. You were meant to serve. And, that, that's, and that's what I'm hearing from you. In, in many respects. Uh, one of the, the passages that my wife and I had as we were uh, going through things is in Matthew. I'm going to read the context uh, for you, though. It's Matthew 6. I want to start with verse 19 and go a little bit. So it'll be a little longer than a lot of times, but I want to read 6 uh, from the beginning, not from the beginning, from verse 19 to the end. It says this, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today, is alive, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles." In that passage, the passage that uh, my wife really was thinking about and talking to me about one day was, look at the birds of the air. Now, we live in the North Woods. We have bird feeders out there, you know, and, and really we get to see birds and listen to them all the time. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. And I remember my wife telling me, if God's taking care of those birds, he's taking care of me. And, and where'd that come from? Right here, a preparation point sometime in life where you narrowed in and you focused in on the truth of God's word. Um, and this has become important to us. I've, I've added feeders in the backyard since. I, it's funny because I came to God and said, you know, God, that's the verse that came to us at, at a very mm -hmm. uh, rough time. So if you want help feeding the birds, you know, I, I'm, I'm, count me in. So we, yeah, you know, I put another feeder out there, and I'm putting the bird feed out there, and, and the jalapenos, it, it, yeah, and the whole works. <laughs> you know, I'm doing that kind of thing, and 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 that's the fun part for me is saying, you know, God, you do look after the birds. Mm -hmm. 
and you love us. You will look after us. Now, I can't imagine uh, living life without my wife. I just can't imagine what that would be like. And I imagine you can't either. It's just a, a thought that's beyond my, my comprehension. And I, and I don't know that she can imagine the other way. However, the truth is, one day probably it'll happen. One of us will probably abandon the other on this earth. Yeah. I'm, I shouldn't use the word abandon. One of us will go into the presence of the Lord before the other one. And here's what I promise. If both of us are in God's word and walking with God, as painful as that will be, because love is painful, there's no doubt about it. You cannot love somebody greatly and not have a great amount of pain. It's not going to It's not mm -hmm. going to happen. But as painful as it is, it's a good pain, not a bad pain. Um, and, and, and those of us who have been through medical diagnoses understand the difference between good pain and bad pain. So, I don't know, when you were doing rehab, I, I just got my hip, you know, done. And so I get sent to rehab where they try and make it so that you can walk as soon as possible the way you should. And, but there are times in rehab where, like, that's painful. You're making me do something that is painful. And the, the, the rehab person, the doctor, whoever they are, is going, that's okay. You need to go through that right now in order to get back to be okay. Mm -hmm. But there's another pain that comes where when they see you wince a certain way or whatever, they go, not that pain. Why? That's a bad pain. We want you to have the good pain. People listening need to understand relationships, commitment to one another is a good pain. It's a pain you need to be healthy in life. But there's no way that you can love somebody, as my wife and I have for over 40 years, when one of us leaves, it's going to be painful. But it's a good pain. You enjoy that pain. And it makes you who you are. Bad pain is when you start being the pain of loneliness. You kick everyone out of your life because someday they won't be there anyway. So now all of a sudden there's this bad pain involved. And then you're a bitter old person someday because you kicked all the relationships out because you're afraid you'll be in pain. Well, you will be, only it's bad pain. I don't know if that makes sense or resonates with you, but... Yeah, it does. Uh, I've been to a, uh, and you probably know the gentleman, I was at a celebration of life service for Ken Frizane. Sure. Uh, at Mount Prospect, no, at uh, Lake Zurich uh, yeah. Church that he attended. And I've been keeping up with the Frizanes and their uh, retirement, which, which consists of uh, traveling all over and not taking a day without talking to someone about the Lord. Right. Uh, Grace would always put it on Facebook. Hey, we met this person. We talked to on this trip and whatever, wherever they were. And it's like, I want to be that person. I don't know how, oh. but that's the kind. Ken died recently, quickly. Uh, came down with a, I probably even shouldn't be sharing this, but he died quickly. Uh, is there pain there for Grace, for the daughter, Kathy? Yeah. The knowledge that Ken knew the Lord as their Savior, that he is up in his eternal home, and that they will be with him, basically, in Ken's view, a blink of an eye, right. uh, allows that good pain. There's tears that flow, and I've experienced this in my life as well, uh, when you know the Lord and you trust in him through a situation of adversity. There's tears that flow, and this seemed to resonate with the kids yesterday. Uh, with the boyfriend and girlfriend sure. breakup. Tears that flow, while at the same time, because you're trusting God for it, 
there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. While the tears are flowing, you know everything's okay. Right. Uh, anybody looking on the outside in, don't look like you're okay. Yeah, and you don't need to make somebody quit crying. No. No, good pain is a good thing to have. So enjoy your good pain. You know, if you have a, a, a mom and dad that love you, they get older, they die, and, and they've really demonstrated who God is to you and cared for you, you're, you're going to be sad. Enjoy the sadness. There are people when their parents die, go, good riddance, you abused me all my life, and that kind of thing, and the pain is totally different. Right. So, you know, you got to understand, pain. all pain is not the same, and we were never meant to be pain-free. Christ wasn't. No. No, yeah. the agony of the cross, and yet it was something he did for you and for me, right. and we need, to, we need to understand that. I, I also encourage people, have have. Uh, points in your life that you can look at that remind you of certain things. You know, when a student goes home for their first break, when they've been up here at Nicolay Bible Institute for a semester, for several of them, it's the first time they've ever been away from home. And, and they, they, you know, first time really they're making decisions without mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're really growing and changing and, and thinking things through and trying to make decisions on who they want to be and what they want to do. And and so they're a little bit different when they go home the first time. What they don't realize is when they go home, they're going home to an environment that reinforced everything they used to be. All right? And mom and dads don't realize that as well. So if you're a mom and dad listening right now and you're, you have a child that's growing up and they're learning and they come home and you, you give them the exact same environment that was there before they left, you're actually trying to push them back into who they were rather than who they've grown in to be, and they, they should be growing and, and changing. So I always ask the students, when you go home, make a change. I don't care what it is in your bedroom or whatever. So take your bed and move it from one wall to another. Take a mirror and move it from one place to another. Take a picture, something. And, and whenever you look at that, realize, oh, my life isn't what it was. Do you know that that little change has helped people stay on track? Just one little change has helped them stay and reminded them of, of something. And, and so that's important in life. Now, th- when you go through cancer, whatever else it might be, I'm telling you, life changes. Yes, it does. And, and for those that try and go back and, and make it the way it was, it's not going to work. Embrace what God has done in your life. Embrace what he's doing. Understand that life will never be the same again. And it's not meant to be. Life moves and it changes. I wonder how many times prior to the cancer I've missed opportunities that were there because I didn't see them. I was going at a different rate of speed. Right. I had a different mindset, maybe too self-absorbed, yeah. to actually stop and whatever they say, smell the roses. Well, how about stopping and putzing around, yeah. picking up some paper? How about stopping and uh, talking to someone that's yeah. just sitting there alone? Uh, things that are more meaningful than yeah. the things I might have been doing in the past, even though my mindset of Christ was still the same. You know, you need to know Christ as your Savior or else you're not going to be happy in eternity. Yeah. Ways of serving in the kingdom actually became greater with my weakness. And right. So now weakness is a strength. Absolutely. And uh, not that I'm the strength. I'm, I, I was talking with Sarah Ellis yesterday at the, the lunch table, and she goes, oh, I heard you spoke today. 
And she says, uh, what words of wisdom did you impart? I go, me? Nothing. There's nothing I said of wisdom. I go, I've been praying for this ever since Dave asked me to do it. The message was on my mind even before then. This is God's words. That's all I pray for going on. Let me say only what you want me to say. Yep. Whether it's example or the word of God, whatever it is, only what you want me to say. And sure enough, there's some things in that message I left out. Yep. It could have been important. wasn't needed. Right. The kids were in the spot to hear. I had a number of kids that were that came up to me. Two of them were very moved by it. One of them has a grandfather, my age, sure. exactly, with stage 4 cancer. Much worse than what I had, uh, obviously. Uh, and he was totally encouraged by it because he struggled coming up here. Should I leave? Yeah. Should I should I go? And this seemed to reinforce that he made the right decision. Another one came up and said, this was powerful, thank you. Uh, others came up to me and said, "What you didn't tell me, are you, is the cancer yeah. one? Yeah, you know, what, one of the things that I think I want our listeners to know is that there are people around you who love God and walk with God and they've, they've gone through some journeys like you have. I would suggest if you're a young person to go talk to them and ask them, what'd you learn? What are you learning? What, what advice would you give me? That's how you learn in life. We're missing that in our culture. We used to, we used to actually work in ways where older people worked with younger people mm -hmm. and they lived with younger people. They got sick. They were all in the same, I mean, extended family was all together and and really, grandma, grandpa, great-grandma, they were all in the same place, and, and the young kids were there running around, learning from them and watching them and watching mom take care of dad, and I mean, her dad, and, you know, that kind of thing. So it's very interesting that we, we are so segmented now. You, you really need to find somebody who's older than you and, and have a good relationship with them where you can just sit and talk. In fact, young people, I'll encourage all the time, there should be three really good relationships in your life. You should have somebody younger that you're looking out after. So you're watching them. You're praying for them. You're in their life. You're trying to help them understand life. You should have somebody older, a generation at least older than you in your life, where you go and talk to them on a regular basis because they've already lived through the stuff that you're living through, and they're somebody who loves God and loves you, and so just go spend time with them and see what God does with that. And then you're the third person, so it's kind of a triangle. You're, you, you look for that young person. That young person is looking to you. You're looking to the older person. The older person can even talk to the younger person. you got two generations there, and you got this triangle thing going on. And, and you can be much healthier if you do that. Because there's things in life that, you know, you're never going to experience until you're probably a certain age. But if you want to learn how to go through that, even before you get to that age, go talk to somebody who is that age. Yeah, I, I, I actually love talking to uh, older people who love God and walk with God, ask them what they're learning, what they've learned. And a lot of times they're not pushy. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just sitting there either eating dinner or trying to serve. And you almost got to stop them from serving to see, see what they're up to. Um, but God has a great plan for everybody. Unless you don't know God, then you're not in his plan. And I encourage you, go to John chapter 3 and understand what it is to be born again, that God sent Jesus to this earth to die for your sins, to allow you to be in his family so that you could have the hope that Mike and that, that Linda and I have of eternity with God where he's preparing a place for us for eternity. Well, you're listening to Young or Older. I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch, and I am talking with Mike Gallo, 
and we look forward to seeing what God does with these conversations. Goodbye for now.